Hi, everybody, and welcome to another exciting edition of Words, Images, and Worlds. Very excited on this episode to be talking um, with Alan Burnett. Alan is one of the masterminds behind several animated features, uh, lots of comics and comics-related properties that many listeners out there will be familiar with. And Alan, you've also recently, I can't remember exactly how Mike Carlin said this. Mike came on and did a talk with me, but uh, he essentially said you're you're one of the secret weapons. You've been one of the secret weapons of the WB animation world. Well, he's very nice for saying that. And he's he's one of the secret weapons of DC all these years. Uh, <laughs> you know, I'm a guy in the background, sort of. Uh, I'm I produce and I story edit and I write, but mm-hmm. uh, I'm a, I mostly like to uh, hire writers and let them face the blank page. So, yes. uh, so, but I was I was with just to give you a rundown. I was with I was with Hanna Barbera for about six and a half years. Mm-hmm. And then I went to Disney for about uh, two, three years and came back to Hanna-Barbera for a little while and then went to uh, Warner Brothers uh, to work on Batman the Animated Series mm-hmm. and stayed there for 26 years. So so that's my uh, that's my career in a nutshell. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Batman the Animated Series being <laughs> one of those series that just particularly stood out to me that I'm sure we'll come back around to because you're also currently writing um, sort of a relaunch of that series for DC Comics in in comics form. Um, So we should probably mention that as well. Yeah, it's called Batman The Adventures Continue. And we've been doing it, uh, uh, Ty Templeton and uh, Paul Dini and I have been doing it for three years now. And uh, they call it seasons, season one, season two, season three, which I find amazing. <laughs> yes, yeah, love it. And, uh, and I think uh, uh, season three is going to be it. Um, I think they, uh, they're, uh, my suspicion is that they're going to now start concentrating on the J.J. Abrams uh, version of Batman that's coming out. I'm not sure. But mm-hmm. um, but we've had, uh, it was only supposed to be just one year and it turned into three. So we had a good run. Yeah, yeah, it's been a great series to to revisit and to see. And I've seen the initial artwork for the last issue, which is supposed to be out um, early October as of right now, I think. And there's just some great parallelism there that, that Ty Templeton has with the first issue of the comic from back in 1992 and this issue. Yes, um, yes. So, yeah, looking forward to that. Um, so w- what initially drew you to comics, comics-related storytelling? I just always I've loved reading comic books as long as I can remember, and um, I um, was one of those kids who had the you know the, the, the hundreds of comic books in my collection, and my parents that my parents found quite amusing at the time, mm-hmm. and uh, but I re- I remember I I used to I it, I started off of course like all kids do reading the funny comics you know reading. Um, Little Lulu and, and Donald Duck and all that. And then uh, one time we took a, a vacation. Every year we took a vacation to Florida. And I would save up about 20 comics, just put them on the side to have to read during the trip. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a trip from Ohio to Florida. And I remember one year Batman got in that pile. Uh-huh. I, 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 I had never read it, never read Batman or any superhero 
comics. And uh, somewhere around Kentucky, <laughs> I pulled it out and started reading it. And it was, uh, it just shocked me. It just shocked me. It was like I lost my virginity. It was, uh, <laughs> it was, uh, it was, a, it was a, a, an adult world that I could understand, an adult world that was made for me. And it was thrilling and it was exciting and it was suspenseful. And I never looked back. I became a huge DC Comics fan. And then a huge uh, Marvel fan later on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's how that started. And although I have two degrees, I have a degree in broadcast journalism for the University of Florida and a degree in film masters at uh, USC, the thing that has helped me most in my life was reading comic books as a kid because um, uh, it really had it gave me my uh, job. It gave me my uh, life's work. Love it. Love it. So, uh, of course, we've mentioned Batman, the animated series, uh, which is one of my favorites. But any particular collaboration uh, project or projects that you now <clears throat> being retired, semi-retired since you, you're still writing comics um, that you look back on with great fondness? Yes. Um, I, you know, there's a couple of series that I've, I've done that uh, uh, that I really enjoyed doing at the time. And sometimes it surprised me. And one of them was uh, Ozzy and Drix, which was based on Osmosis Jones, a, mm-hmm. uh, uh, a uh, film. And we did, uh, we did two seasons of that and uh, with a, a fellow named Doug Langdale, who's one of the funniest writers around. And uh, we had a lot of laughs. It got good ratings. They couldn't seem to find a way to make a toy out of it. And so that's how I lost that show. I lost um, Static, which was a a black superhero show. Mm -hmm. Uh, After four years, they were still struggling to get a toy line going. And when it didn't happen, that left too. So I I, I enjoyed both of those experiences a lot. And... um, and, and and all the way down the line, I've had a good time. I enjoyed working on Ducktales um, mm-hmm. as it was as close to a sitcom that that you can get uh, in Saturday morning. And uh, and I particularly like working with a character named Gizmo Duck, who was very who was who cracked me up as I was even as I was writing his dialogue. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so there's a, there's been a lot. It's been a lot. You know, it's very funny. Uh, when I went to uh, uh, University of, when I went to film school, mm-hmm. nobody mentioned the words ever Saturday morning. Nobody ever mentioned that. They would talk about Hitchcock and they would talk about, uh, you know, all the all the great uh, directors and great films and some television shows. and But uh, never did the, the word Saturday morning pop up. Mm-hmm. And so I, I never, I didn't consider it a, a place for me until I got there. So, and I got there because after uh, USC, I uh, ended up um, writing my specs, which were going nowhere. And so I decided to uh, take a job as a page at NBC. Mm -hmm. And uh, because at least I'll have my foot in the door and meet some people and get get somewhere. And while I was a page there, there was an internship uh, for children's programs. And I ended up getting into that internship. And I 
I fit in well. I, you know, I have storyboards. I, I, I read them with ease. I knew some, uh, some of the characters they were producing. They had a Fantastic Four on Saturday morning at that mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. So and so I'm and I met these people who worked in the business, and I just fell into it that way. It's funny how you know. It's funny how you find your way. Mm-hmm. One step leads to another. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And Saturday morning is is just such a. It was a magical time, has been a magical time in the 80s and 90s. I, I haven't been up that early on a Saturday morning watching cartoons in a while. But, of course, now in the days of streaming, every morning, afternoon or evening can be Saturday morning as well. <laughs> when I when I started working at uh, Hanna-Barbera, uh, they had 13 half hours on Saturday morning. There were some There were some time slots where they were competing with their own shows across all three networks. Uh, it was an amazing place to be. I was very fortunate to be there at that time. Because I, I imagine it was a little bit like uh, be, being an MGM in the in the 30s and 40s. I mean, there were writers all over the place. I think they had 33 writers on staff doing yeah. show. And it was, an, it was a wonderful place to work. Yeah, yeah, I was really drawn to like Johnny Quest, Space Ghost, uh, a couple of those in particular. Yeah, I I mostly did. Well, I did I did Super Friends. I did the last two oh, years. Nice, nice, yeah. And um, <clears throat> that was that wasn't the most pleasant experience <laughs> <laughs> because I wanted to make you know I wanted to make it a a real superhero show, but. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I could not, I, I had to be, I, I was controlled in a way by broadcast standards mm-hmm. that wanted to show that would be safe for two-year-olds. So um, that's my story on Super Friends. It was just, uh, it was, uh, especially the first season where we were at the top of the schedule. And when you're on the top of the schedule, your show is for the toddlers. They mm-hmm. don't really make shows for the older kids until the end of the schedule so um but that was that i i cut my teeth on uh super friends at the time it was called the superpowers and then i went on to one of the hardest shows i've ever done one of the most time-consuming shows was smurfs i was um, a story of two seasons on smurfs and it involved uh trips to europe to uh visit the creator and who who uh <laughs> i mean we he was very picky about story ideas uh it was to the point where we were going through the yellow pages of the phone book if anybody remembers what a phone book is anymore mm-hmm. just to get just to get ideas for smurf uh, smurf uh, uh occupations <laughs> uh, <laughs> in general so, or ideas in general. So um, that was a tough show. That was uh, 30, we were doing 39 half hours a year. It was on for 90 minutes. And uh, that may have been the, in a way, the toughest show I ever worked on. I was glad to get off of it when I did. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. See my family once again. Yeah, absolutely. I was thinking about those trips to Europe and how that, that sounds time consuming and, um, so hopefully there were some some more positive and creatively free experiences as you went through the went through your career as well. Yeah, I mean, uh, especially with Batman. I mean, that was mm-hmm. uh, I was trying to get out of uh, children's programs altogether, 
mm-hmm. and um, and Gene um, McCurdy, the head of um, of uh, of Warner Brothers Animation, who was, by the way, my first boss when I was a, a, an intern in uh, at NBC. Uh, she, she tried to get me over there, and um, and I said to her, "I just don't, I just can't take the uh, I just can't take the censors anymore. I just can't do it. I can't." Um, and she said, "Don't worry." I said, and I said to her, "You I, I can't, you can't really do a good Batman show unless you've got fights. Mm-hmm. I mean, fists, and unless you've got guns. I mean, that's what that's what that world's about." And she assured me that, it, that I could have this. And the reason that I could was because it was. Even though it came under the children's program um, aegis, I don't know what you, they, it came under children's programs over at Fox. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it was a show that was on at three thirty in the afternoon, so um, so we were uh, competing with like Mannix reruns and stuff like that. Yeah. It was a different. It was a completely different, uh, completely different. Uh, uh animal i was dealing with it was great because um because we had our guns and we had our fist fights and we and and that's what was needed to make that show hum so it just pulled in um really the best of the comics to me and uh i'm looking at those animation cells behind you on the wall back there that sort of have like the character lineup i remember when i first saw that uh like a strip of the characters i think it was in maybe wizard magazine or heroes illustrated or or one of those magazines before the show came out. And there were characters I recognized immediately. There were other characters I wasn't as familiar with. Um, and I just love how that series pulled in so much from the comics and really moved it forward. Well, that's what we did. We went back to the comics and we, we looked for, um, we, we, we picked the stuff we liked the best about Batman and we incorporated it into the series. And so that's, I mean, that's what we did. So um, there were two Bibles written on the show. There was one Bible when I came in, they brought me in as the show was starting because they were having story problems. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was one Bible that was written that was really strong, uh, really uh, uh, violent, I don't know how else to put it, which I love. And then the the second Bible was written to tone that down. But what we did in the end, when I came in, I got everybody in the room, all the directors and writers and story editors, and I said, let's just talk, let's let's spend three days to talk about Batman. And that's what we did. And that's where we developed stories. And we brought in our favorite ideas about Batman, our favorite areas. I, for example, loved Two-Face and uh mm-hmm. and and uh, so and i discussed what i like to do with that and that's how that show evolved it was it was it was nice it wasn't wholly based upon a bible it had a, a it had a um, a feeling of evolving as it went on which is why you know we harley quinn was never in the bible but mm-hmm. as soon as she popped up uh, in a dini script uh, we knew we had some kind of gold here that yeah. we wanted to continue. She now, and now she is like the fourth most popular character at DC, right under Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman. There's Harley Quinn. Yeah, yeah, and, and shout out to um, the late Arlene Sorkin there for just bringing so much to that character too, as yeah. far as personality and voice. 
yeah, she had that Judy Holiday quality, which I love. And I, and I, I'm hoping Lady Gaga will bring it back when she comes, uh, the mm -hmm. new, the new Harley in, in the Joker film. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what has it been like to get back to that world with the adventures continue with Paul Dini and Ty Templeton? Well, the wonderful thing about doing the book was that I didn't have to worry about any continuity in any other Batman book. Mm -hmm. Believe me, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'll occasionally pick up a comic book and read it, but uh, I, I, there's a lot going on that I, I don't know what, what's happening. I just found out like a couple of weekends ago that they killed off Alfred and I still can't believe it. Oh, I but, know. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. So, but that one of the great pleasures was I wouldn't have to do any homework because I had it all in my brain. It was, you know, where this was going to be based on the series. And so that's what, uh, that's what, uh, th that was right off the bat. It made it more pleasurable. We started with some, uh, as these things happen in this business, we started off uh, basing some of the stories on toys they were trying to develop. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. I think we did about four, we did a story with Superman that had a toy uh, robot that they were developing and, and some other toy characters that uh, didn't, that w would be new to the series. Anyways, to make a long story short, that fell out of the way. I, I guess that uh, as these things happened, they weren't making the toys as we were writing this thing. So we really had even more freedom to to go to places we wanted to go and develop stories we wanted to develop. So it was great. Yeah, wonderful. And certainly as a fan, I've, I've enjoyed getting to revisit that world and kind of see um, Slade Wilson come into the world and the Suicide Squad and uh, a lot of characters, a lot of interesting avenues that you've explored there. Um, so curious about what is next in your creative journey now, what's currently cooking and what you're thinking about, and uh, any resources, any places where listeners out there can go to learn a little bit more about your work, about the series that you've worked on, or any of those things. Well, I have no blog. I have no web page. <laughs> I have Facebook, but I, I uh, um, but I'll tell you, uh, unless you tell me something about yourself, I don't, I don't, I don't uh, attach you. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, uh, Paul Dini and I are right now working on another project, uh, which is uh, I can't talk about, but I can say this: it's brand new. It's it's a whole a whole different character. Love and it. Love it. And we'll see what happens to it. You know, it, it might not go anywhere, but we'll we'll find out. So far, um, we made an initial pitch, and they seemed interested. So, but um, otherwise, um, <laughs> I'm not. I'm doing a lot of reading and a lot of movie watching and having a good time. Love it, love it. Anything. I'm a big reader and also a big film fan. So anything that's currently on the night table or. Um, the cue that you want to mention that you're delving into as we close out. Uh, well, well I, I read an awful lot of mysteries and thrillers mm -hmm. and um, there's a guy named Horowitz who I, who I, yeah. Uh, the, the um, murder is the word, right? Or the word is yes. murder. Yeah. Everything he's written. I love. Yeah. And he, he never fails to surprise me. So it's it's 
it's him and authors like him that uh, I, I grab on to. Yeah. Um, there's a book uh, out, which is called, I think, The Second Murderer, which is a uh, uh, Philip Marlowe mystery written by a woman in England. Mina is her last name, M-I-N-A. Mm-hmm. And that's probably the next read. But I, I love Philip Marlowe. I love that. Uh, I, I, I love that series. That's Raymond Chandler, maybe my favorite writer. I just am highly entertained by him. Yeah. So, that's what do. and I'm a big, big Hitchcock fan too, and I never fail to get um, trapped into seeing uh, another Hitchcock film when it comes out on television. But, uh, but I'm a, I'm a tremendous fan of his. So that's my, that's my bailiwick of entertainment for me. Love it, love it. Have you checked out Ruth Ware? No. Okay. So if you like Agatha Christie, I if you. If you're kind of into those things, uh, my wife is a big reader of mysteries as well. Um, and so recommending Ruth Ware is just uh, a British um, female author that just does mystery very, very well. So, Well, thank you. I will, I will, I will, I will do that. I love reading uh, the Agatha Christie uh, one-offs by other writers and it's great fun. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, well, thank you so much, Ellen. Did we miss anything in the interview that you want to make sure to mention? I'll just say very quickly, mask of the phantasm uh, being great as well, but uh, anything that we, that we've missed that you want to make sure to share. No, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm a happy guy. (laughs) This is good. I'm going to be not, not quite in your neighborhood, but there's going to speaking of mask of phantasm in Macon, Georgia. There's oh, going nice. to be a screening of it. No, November, I think November 2nd. No, is it? Is it? Oh my gosh. I can't, I, I'm not sure of the date, but it was in, it's in November. And, and any of you Georgia people want to uh, see a screening of phantasm by a film society out there. Uh, I will be there answering questions too. I wish I should have been more specific, but I just don't have I don't have the uh, dates in front of me right now. I, I will t- look it up. I'll link it uh, in the podcast description so folks can check it out. All right. Yeah. So no, yeah. that's it. That's that's me. All right. Well, well, thank you so much, and uh, I won't keep you any longer. I appreciate your work and appreciate your time. Well, you made it very easy. Thank you very much. Thanks.